Hey, welcome to the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We're live here at 8 p.m. Eastern Time to put a bow, to put the final capstone on Penn State and Ohio and the storylines that came out of that game because they're going to inform what happens this week and throughout the season. I'll be joined by senior editor Nate Bauer. Who else? Nate's joining the show. We're going to discuss everything, including some new information coming out this evening about key elements at Beaver Stadium. That's coming up next on the BWI Daily Edition. Mr. Nate Bauer, how are you this evening? We're both riding out a storm right now. So if the power goes out, which I hope it doesn't, uh, it'll be a short show that way. But Nate, how are you holding up? Have you have you closed the shutters on your house? You know, uh, we're we're just we're really playing with fire tonight. We've got both kids in bed or in the process of going to bed. So that's the that's like my major anxiety is that <laughs> a four year old girl will come running down the stairs and introduce herself to the world. Uh, but no, also a little bit of a storm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's all it's all happening. It's all happening. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. For your it. life is the eye of the storm. It sounds like <laughs> something like that. Something you know, like random that. thing. By the way, speaking of shutters, one of my biggest pet peeves are shutters on houses. Just a okay. random. I think that decorative shutters are the most useless thing in the world. They served a function at one point, but when's the last time you actually closed your shutters or ever looked at them other than, hey, those are some really old, ugly-looking shutters, which is most houses. I'll be honest. Sounds like the uh, sounds like the arm buttons on suit jackets. Yeah. What are we doing yeah. here? What are we doing here? This is <laughs> entirely decorative. By the way, does it sound like I'm a person that's looked at 400 houses in the last six months that I'm complaining about shutters? <laughs> you know, listen, I, I abstain. I, I have no opinion on shutters at the moment, but I do have opinions about alcohol sales at Beaver Stadium. If yeah, that so means anything to you. What's going on? Tell me about that, because that's something I am purely blind on this. I have been literally nose in the film since Saturday afternoon. So what's going on in the outside world? What's going on at Beaver Stadium? So 630, the press release came across that. Look, I, I think that we've been talking in some manner about alcohol sales at Beaver Stadium for 15 years, maybe. Right. Uh whether it was uh, Tim Curley, Dave Joyner, Sandy Barber, it, it seemed to be something that had been floated, but there was back and forth and and no real movement. Uh, and now tonight, and I, I think, look, that Pat Kraft now taking the reins at, at Penn State as the athletic director, he came to Penn State to shake things up a little bit. And so, yeah, a, a proposal is formal. Right. That he, he presented to a subset of the board of trustees on Monday. And that means that, you know, in kind of a, an official capacity, the ball is rolling. They yep. need they need to have the full approval of the board of trustees before this is something that can go into like effect. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, in terms of revenue and Penn State and all of this big picture stuff that we've been talking about for quite some time now it's 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 coming to fruition it's yes yeah. it's, it's on the it's on the doorstep uh they just need to push it across the goal line so we talked about 
uh, some of this in the past, but and, and this is a common conversation, by the way, of if you allow alcohol sales, is that going to increase the overindulgence at games and around uh, games, which yeah. is already an issue. But this, from what I understand, can also curb that or that's the idea, at least because you have access to alcohol during the game if you want it. Right. I I think it's a little bit of a counterintuitive situation, right? Because you you would say to yourself, "Hey, uh, this this is just going to egg it on, egg it on." Is that a word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like it, it <laughs> propel it a little bit. Yes. You're, you're you're saying to people, "Oh, well, this is more widely available, and so now you have access to alcohol that you wouldn't have had otherwise." But I think that the argument is a little bit in reverse, right? It's that, hey. Yes, this is something that will be available, but, uh, you know, you've been to Spikes games in, in State College. You have to get a wristband to be able to buy it. Yeah. Once you have said wristband, you can buy two drinks at a time maximum. Right. Uh, there's there's tracking mechanisms. There's people in place to test the system. All, all of those things that really... Um, it's more regulated. It, it right. ends up being more regulated rather than the alternative, which I think at right now is, hey, you have until X time to drink, yeah. right? Yep. In in the parking lot. Yep. You better shotgun your beer. <laughs> Just like <laughs> you're trying to un, drink as much as possible. drinking in a field, which, you Correct. know, it, it, I don't want to, I don't want to knock a tradition. But, you know, there are other things that can happen other than drinking all of it at your tailgate. Yeah. I, and, uh, and it's not going to, by the way, it's not going to fix that in particular because of the price of things. But it will obviously uh, open the avenue to what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Want to clean up a couple things here in the chat quickly. M. Shive, uh, Mike is on the line. He's packing for a work trip to Atlanta tomorrow. Why is work trip? You not going to work? What's what's going on? I feel like there's a there's something there that I'm not getting. Going to Atlanta lies <laughs> until Friday or Sunday. Fair amount of Penn State garb going in the suitcase. Oh, I get it. All right, I got it. Making a work trip down south. So thanks for being here as always. Appreciate the donation. We have a couple of admirers here in the chat as well, and I didn't want to undercut your serious tone, but people are loving the glasses tonight. Nick. People are uh, loving the glasses. Can I can I just take a, a brief aside? Um, I, it is acknowledged at this point that I had a little trip to Greece and mm -hmm. uh, in you know enjoyed myself thoroughly. I came back and had to sit farther away from the camera because my lip was bloodied and disgusting <laughs> from sunburn. My lower lip. I've never and, seen and, anything like it. <laughs> it's just horrible. <laughs> I have since been able to overcome that adversity. And uh, in the time since overcoming that adversity, and now have an eye thing going on. Like, a, <laughs> don't traveling's bad for you, Nate. Apparently, I, I don't know what it is, but look, we're gonna work through it. And I'm I'm appreciative of people liking the glasses. It means a lot to me. Uh, Mike brings up a good point. Shutters are needed on traditional houses, like his house. Even it's colonial. Uh, his house built in '67. They kept the shutters. Here's the deal. I live in a split level built in the 80s. There's no need for shutters on my house. They're, they are purely a, a remnant of a bygone era. 
Um, Justin's all for it. Bring me the booze, he says. And uh, appreciate everyone hanging out in the in the chat tonight. We're gonna we're gonna talk with everybody tonight. So if you've got a question, if you uh, got something you want to get off your chest about the game, all kinds of stuff like that, you can let us know. Um, and if you want to be uh, if you want to be like some of our our superstars and our regulars and donate to the channel. We absolutely appreciate that. The tip jar is open. We're taking all donations to the channel so that we can get Nate the hospital care he needs so that his eyes and his lips and is just send you the ENT doctor because the next thing is you're going to lose an earbud down your ear. Uh, so we appreciate the donations and like the like the video. Last thing, I'll get through all of this garbage that I have to say every time because it's always helpful. When I ask you guys to like the video, you absolutely respond. So thank you to everyone who supports the channel. Let's get this to 500 likes as usual. And I set a goal a couple weeks ago that we were going to get to 10,000 by the time that everyone heads down to Alabama for the Auburn game. That's coming up this weekend. We, we crested 8,000, Nate. And I set high, high goals so that we, we shoot for the stars, uh, land at the moon, or whatever it is. Whatever that thing is. I think I did it backwards. But let's get to 8,500 for the channel by the time we have the post game. Uh, which is going to be nuts because the game is going to be nuts because it's going to be a close game again against another Power 5 opponent. So let's get to 8,500 on the channel. So if you're watching, you haven't subscribed, we do great stuff here. Subscribe to the channel, and we'll get there uh, before the game this weekend. Let's talk about Penn State, Ohio. Have we anything left on the bone when it comes to alcohol sales uh, at Beaver Stadium? Anything else you wanted to add before we move on? I mean, I just take issue with your assumption that it's going to be a close game. Have you seen TJ Finley? I mean, come on now. <laughs> I'm just saying that it just seems like that they're incapable of, of uh, well, I shouldn't say that because they officially blew out an opponent, which they is what we're going to talk about today. They did it. They did yeah. it. They, they crossed. They had to have it, you know, big blowout fashion, and Penn State finally did it. They, I mean, legitimately, it's been over two years, uh, yeah. right? And so there have been some similar scores. Ball State was a similar score. I think it was 44 to 16 last year. But yeah. the nature of the game on Saturday – getting some early scores in the second half, I think, right? Mm -hmm. They kind of transformed the way that that game was going. And so, I mean, it really goes back to, to Idaho in 2019, Buffalo yep. in 2019. So it, Which it was, was close big. at the half too. Right. It yeah. was, it was big though. It was big for Penn state to be able to get that type of a win, uh, yep. you know, going into, you know, what really is a, a tester of a game at, at Auburn, because I don't think yeah. any of us know necessarily what Penn state is, but also what Auburn is. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Penn state's played good quarterbacks so far and they've made good quarterbacks look bad. So are they good quarterbacks? Are they bad quarterbacks? That's why you need to play all the games to figure some of this stuff out. But if you look at what um, Purdue did, this week uh, against nope. in Indiana State, I think it was 59 to nothing. So not a bad football team at Purdue. Um, what's and this is something that I always like hearing your thoughts, because we have very divergent ways that we think or different ways that we go when we're digesting a game. Yeah, um, I always learn something. <laughs> no, but I always <laughs> learn something because like, you know, like I'm into it's the one time in my life I care about facts, Nate. Sure. <laughs> the one time in my life I'm going and I'm getting all the information. Uh, but I appreciate and I always learn something from the way you've digested things and kind of taken things at a different angle than me. So what what is sticking out to you that's changed from post game to now the way you've thought about the game? Um, I, I don't know if it's post game to now because I, I tend to think of things in the 
in the broader scale, right? And on the whole. Yeah. And so for for me, I, I just cannot stop drawing contrasts to last year and what we described and James Franklin described as this critical missing element of having explosive plays specifically yeah. in the running game and what that meant for the offense. And so Nick Singleton, after week one at Purdue, where really nothing got going in the in the running game and all of the questions remained about the offensive line for Penn State, all of the questions remained about Sean Clifford and his decision-making, right? Yep. All of those things yep. went away when Nick Singleton broke a 70-yard run. One run changed the dynamic. It changed the way that you look at the offense. It changes the yes. way Mike Yersich can call the game. It changes the pressure that's on the offensive line, the, 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 the pressure and the weight that's on Sean Clifford. All of those things are able to to be alleviated. That was kind of the word that, that actually Bryce Effner used after the game was how alleviating it feels as an offensive lineman at Penn state to have a guy behind you who can do that. Yeah. And so when I look at this game and, and contextualize it to the rest of the season, because that's what we're doing here, right? Is yep. Ohio is Ohio. It's a Mac team. Penn state should beat them and should beat them pretty good. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. But what does Nick Singleton, what does an explosive running game or the potential and the threat of an of a explosive running game mean for Penn State's offense? And I think it opens doors. I really do. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been saying for a while, the, the as you mentioned, the threat of a running game, the threat of a running back, and then the ability to call certain plays and formations and have them work. And I, I broke all this down in the film study, which you can Bro. check out at bluewhiteillustrated.com. So many things that Mike Yersich can do this year and so many different ways he's incorporating what Singleton's good at into the offense. These are things that they did not have options for previously because everything had to kind of be by the book. You know, yep. you didn't have anybody to alleviate some of the issues. And I know that still Penn State fans are still upset that the ground game didn't go through the middle of the defense. And, mm -hmm. and I... There were some good runs in there, by the way. I just yep. want to push back on the idea that they did not run it all through the tackles. Nick Singleton put his head through somebody's chest and got nine yards. That's going to continue to happen. His his carry at the beginning of the second half wasn't he, – he kicked it outside, but it yep. was between the tackles, wasn't it? So there was I'm, an outside zone run that he cut to the backside. Uh, okay. A lot of his runs were bounces to the outside rather than at the intended point of attack. But here's the secret, Nate. Every running back bounces. Every running back, very rarely do I see, and that's why I love Katron Allen so much, is because he actually goes to the intended point of attack first before he goes, ah, now nah, I'm going to bounce. Um, Singleton just runs for 50 yards where other guys we've seen run for 10 or 11 or two. Mm -hmm. uh, so his ability to make those plays is a difference maker, as we've as we've talked about ad nauseum. Um the receiving core and something that you brought up, that was an interesting, I'm just, I still don't know what to think of these guys. Yeah. What, what did you take away from the fact that Jaden Dotton was a part of the starting unit, I believe on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I guess he was, wasn't he? Because Parker Washington, I don't think was on the field on that first play. And I'm okay. I'm not sure why, but that doesn't really matter. The, the point being that Jaden Dotton, 
was not a guy that I think that we've talked about, certainly through the spring or the preseason. Yep. Um, but yeah, showed up, right. It was, was a guy who, who got early reps in that game, um, you know, and, and it has kind of a little bit of a storyline of wh- where has he been? Right? Yeah. He's, a, yep. he's a, a Juco kid who, you know, is kind of running out of time to maximize his opportunity. Is he a Juco kid? Am I forgetting that? doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> every time you've said, hey, what about Jaden Don? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Don't, uh, you're, don't you're, the, you're the Jaden Don expert here. I am the Jaden Don guy. Uh, no, but he he has not yet been able to maximize his opportunity at Penn State. But uh, again, this conversation that we've been having throughout the preseason and a lot of the summer is, okay, you know what you have in Tinsley. You know what you have in Parker Washington. Keandre Lambert-Smith it's it's not solid Malik mega yeah. it's not solid uh trey wallace potential like a, a yeah. lot of these conversations are there's potential there's there's possibility for these guys but they haven't really put it all together and so at this point it looks to me as though they have the opportunity as a coaching staff to say hey whoever does it in practice this week is the guy yeah. who's going to get the shot is the guy who's yeah. going to get those opportunities uh, James S says the singleton run equals the Irv Charles catch and run at Minnesota. That feels like pretty high stakes uh, because Penn State has not lost a game so far and they're not trailing in the situation. But for from a catharsis standpoint, is it a similar release of finally? There we go. Would you? What do you think about that? I don't know. I look. I'm gonna have a hard time. Not compare, and I don't want to do this. But I'm gonna, have a, I'm gonna have a hard time not comparing him to Saquon Barkley. Like that's just yeah. that's just the bottom line. Is like Irv Charles. Yeah, that was a huge play. That was a, a but it was the one in his career at Penn yeah. State. Yeah, uh, I anticipate Nick Singleton to make many of yeah. those types of runs. Will it be as easy? Will he uh, have to kick it into maybe a next? gear of speed against better opponents sure for sure yeah but uh what do you what does that just, represent it's big just what are you hearing about nick singleton behind the scenes i know that we all have a feeling about him after watching him do what he did but mm-hmm. do you have a sense of the internal view of how good he is and is is part of you know is that the barkley thing that's coming up yeah <laughs> awesome yeah no i love asking good questions (laughs) look it's it's what do you do when you're a program and have a talent that is truly unicorn yeah in nature Uh, because you still know that the kid's 18 or 19 right like he's still a young kid there are still so many things about learning the game that he will have to do and that that development that he will have to make through his career at Penn state. But that doesn't change the raw talent. That doesn't change his physical abilities. He's, he's just so can I give you my comp for him? Yeah, go ahead. So I I know that um, Charles power at on three loves the comparison to Nick Chubb and I understand it. I, I get it. But when I look at him and he's a bit upright, he's a bit linear. And he's so violent. He reminds me of Adrian Peterson. Uh, similar size. 
yeah. uh, six one, like a big back with speed. But I, I, I see so many similarities there. And again, these are ridiculous comparisons. Um, I want to get to a bunch of these in the chat. We're we're having so many generous people in the in the tip jar that I uh, I need to get to some of these, Nate. But uh, catch up. Let's go. Catch up, Stephen. Stephen, uh, you're about a you're about thirty six hours too soon on this question. Does Penn State have the horses to stop that ground game? It is the number one question. So I'm doing the film analysis of the Penn State defense, and I did their pass rush, and I went in depth on all that stuff. And the first thing that people ask me is, "Great, what about Auburn?" And I was like. I, I just got done with a marathon film session of looking at all these plays. So I will get you that answer, Stephen. I promise I will have that answer for you, but uh, it, it's not tonight. Um, I've only heard things about TJ Finley so far. Nate, do you have the answer? Um, if that's the only thing that Auburn can do, if Auburn cannot pass, I like mm-hmm. Penn State's chances. I'm not yeah. saying that that is the case. It sh- certainly seems to be what's been suggested today in the Auburn forums, right? Like Auburn fans are fairly well convinced that Auburn can't pass the football. And that's a, that's a significant problem. And I would tend to agree with that. I just think Penn state tends to do well with one dimensional offenses defensively, historically. And now is, could Manny Diaz change that up? Sure. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that it bodes fairly well, even with some of the questions that exist, obviously on the defensive line and obviously at linebacker for Penn State this year. Uh, we got a great crowd tonight. If you're watching the video, please give the, the video a like. We're trying to get this video to 500 likes. So every one of them that happens right now is, is you, you know, what dividends are, right? The pay in the future and all that stuff. I never took economics class, but uh, I'm saying a bunch of smart things. So hopefully it sounds smart. So give the video a like. Uh, Matt says, loves the show. T. Frank's analysis and Nate Sass to the Yahoo's and the Lions Den. Yes. Appreciate you, Matt. Thank you so much for the donation. Uh, we got another one here from Mike. He says, big runs fire up the old line after Singleton hit, hit the 12-yard run on his first one. Tangwall was fist pumping. Those guys feed off that energy. How much did you talk to any of the guys about that? You said the the uh, the relief that Efner talked about. Yep. Is there anything? Is there anything more to that of what Mike is saying about how the that sort of energy builds as a game goes on for that offensive line? Yeah, I think it. I think it. Uh, I, I did. I kind of talked to Bryce Efner for a decent amount of time after the game, and he brought up. M- multiple points right yes the feeling the alleviation of the the pressure i guess to to hit all at the same time and that's kind of the point right is all right you've got five offensive linemen that all have to hit on their blocks all at the same time add to that the quarterback and the running back and everything you you have you have seven pieces that all have to hit at the same time, as opposed to, in some cases, with the passing game, what four four, four pieces, right? Like it doesn't it doesn't all yeah. have to go off without a hitch to be able to complete a pass. Whereas a run and having the sets that they want to have takes takes more ingredients. When is, those are the yeah. pieces that you have, Nick Singleton changes that. Yep. <laughs> right. Katron Allen changes. That, uh, I'd say the, it, it the, provides the, a bigger opportunity for them to make a mistake. Yeah, I, I, uh, po- by the way, I apologize. We're having some technical issues here, but uh, your point is a good one about the offensive line in terms of it is a simpler job 
in pass protection than the coordinated dance that has to go on in run blocking. And I, I've talked yep. about that a lot when it comes, you know, on the BWI message board about how if, if you think that running the ball is just about being bigger and uglier and meaner than the person across from you, that is a fair bit of that. But I would not say that that is the main thing. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be smart. You have to be calculated, all those things. And if, you know, your wide receiver touches a guy and holds him for 1.1 seconds. And then the running back is fast enough to run 12 yards around everybody else and then break two angles for 70. It helps everybody else out. You mentioned something else earlier about Nick Singleton being a unicorn. Mm -hmm. And this is a conversation you and I have had all off season long, and I'm starting to be pulled over to the dark side. Is Drew Aller a unicorn too? Because that is a harder thing to be a unicorn at quarterback. But I keep seeing evidence that he's doing legitimately next level things. At least the, the, the baseline fundamentals of everything he's done so far have been perfect. So is he also a unicorn? And did Penn State accidentally create a uh, quarterback controversy with trying to get him as much as many reps as possible? It may have externally, but not internally, not, not okay. in my mind. I mean, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's anything cl like, look, if, if Sean Clifford struggles, there's been no reason to uh, obviously mistake at Purdue, but there, there just, there hasn't been enough evidence in either direction, right. To, to suggest that, let alone seriously consider it. So I don't think that's an issue. I, I just think, I think figuring this for is a, a much more difficult thing process. Um, you know, there's just there's just so much that goes into it. There, there has never ever at any point in this uh, of Drew Aller being at Penn State has there ever been an internal conversation that I've had suggesting that he doesn't have all the tools or that he won't become and reach his potential. Yeah, it's just a question of how long it takes to get there. It's it, right. Yeah. It's just it, what is the amount of time that he needs to develop and to get to that point? I think that through two games again, I mean, <laughs> right. It's, it's just, yeah. Ohio is not, Ohio does not represent he, the type of complex defense that yeah. we're going to be able to say, okay, this, this kid has it right now, but he, this is, and this is my point is you are correct. And he looked significantly calmer and more explosive than Clifford did against the same players. Sean yeah. Clifford played good. He played a clean game of football. And if you want to check out my film notes on the offense, I posted them on Sunday. I go into detail uh, about some of the things I saw when I was looking at the full picture of some of the throws left on the table. I don't feel like Drew Aller left any of the throws on his on the table. And that's kind of reflected by his passing stats, his PFF grade. His yeah. PFF grade is the highest in the last since 2019 of any quarterback. I understand that like he didn't play the full game, but he did play with the starters against the other starters. Mm -hmm. So I'm having a hard time here of my analysis as he sees the field well. His pocket presence is, for the most part, really good. Uh, there's there's that one sack that kind of looks silly. Um, but other than that, I like his mental processing. I like his decision-making so far. We don't, we don't know what we don't know. But in a comparative situation, he looked different. 
Yeah. And and I'm having a hard time in this conversation saying, you know what? You're crazy person who wants to start Drew Aller because somebody brought this up on, on Twitter. They asked me if Alabama can do that with a five-star quarterback and a starter of multiple years. And if Clemson can do that with a starter of multiple years, what is stopping the Nittany Lions if they truly do have a guy that is ahead of schedule? And James Franklin did not say that when I asked him last week, but he certainly seems like he's more than just grasping the offense right now. I want to see more. I want to see a lot more before I get to that point, because I do think that I do think that Sean Clifford represents an understanding and a grasp of the complexities of what Mike Yersich wants to do. That is all extremely significant to, to the success of the offense. Like again, uh, in no way does that diminish anything that Aller has done to this point. It's just, Hey, there's a reason why this is the structure that it is. Could it change? Sure. But I, yeah. I, I want to see more for sure. I So I want to see more as well, but that does mean he has to get into he more has games. To play. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Oh, man. It is 8.30. We are here live on YouTube. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. That is Nate Bauer, senior editor of Blue White Illustrated. I've been awake since the end of the Penn State football game, grinding the film. Nate, um... I, 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 this, so this is not a compla brag. This is not me just, you know, telling you how hard I work. This is a real thing in my life is that during football season, I'm working from dawn until in the middle of the night. And then I need to sleep immediately so I can get up and do it all again. And the last couple years of doing this, I have sat there at one in the morning with my brain still going and my body going time to sleep now. And it has been a problem. So when the guys at Rogue Shop decided they were going to wanted to advertise with us, they reached out and uh, Richard, who's an awesome guy, talked to me about their products, what they offer and some of the things that they can do for you. And one of the things I said immediately is this is a like I, I know we have a fun job, Nate. But it, it can be it can be a grind. It is it's long hours during football season. It's a lot of intense focus. It's a lot of attention to detail. None of these things are my strength. So I get to 110 percent and I can't turn it off. And he told me, well, we've got some stuff that can help you. And that's what really they're all about. A rogue shop is helping people uh, to eliminate some of the problems of modern life of stress, anxiety, staring at a camera. I've got 14 lights on me, two screens and a camera and a light behind me. So like oversaturated and overstimulated is my existence. And the ability to wind that down and sleep so that I am changing my life for the better and getting back to something I should be. That's what they're all about at Rogue Shop. And they want to help you out as well. Use the promo code. I'll put it up on my forehead again. Use the promo code BWI at their shop, rogueshop.com for uh, lab certified Delta 9 THC, Delta 8 THC, CBD. They want to help people through through traditional holistic medicines. My wife is all about clean things, real foods. Uh, she looks at all of our fo- our, our, our uh, she looks at all of our stuff, Nate, for like xenoestrogens and phallophates and and hocus pocus that I don't understand. She mm-hmm. does all of that stuff, and she just like here, you can use this as your shampoo, and I'm great. Same thing at rogueshop.com. It fits into my life perfectly. Use the promo code BWI and uh, check out what they have. Rogueshop.com that can help you if you struggle with sleep 
or pain, especially pain. I know Richard has a soft spot for people that have chronic pain in their lives and they want to help you with CBD uh, tinctures. They have all kinds of stuff at the site. So go check it out. We've shown you the site uh, here on the show a couple times. So I encourage you to go check out one more time, rogueshop.com. And we'll be talking about them on the show as we go throughout the season. So we talked about the freshmen. Let's get to some of the other things that happened. Um, Penn State, James Franklin expressed a frustration during the game about how the offense becomes stagnant at times. Um, Is that real or is that coach speak after a game where they scored 46 points? He specifically mentioned the second quarter not going the way that he wanted. And I'm looking at the drive chart. You've got it right there. Punt, turnover on downs at the Ohio 38 and a field goal where they stalled in the red zone. Um, You know, I think that that's not coach speak. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Let's look look at the uh, full context too. Here's the previous week. And it, this is an inconsistent performance. If I've seen one, they did not score in the first or the third quarter. Uh, Their touchdown drive started in the first quarter, but it happened in the second quarter. They went 20 minutes and 15 minutes of game time without scoring against Purdue. So yeah, uh, inconsistent. It was better, obviously uh, this past week, but the, the performance here, and I hate to bring it back to this conversation, Nate, but the inconsistency starts at the top. No, so I, I don't. I, I don't know how that gets better. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I don't think that I disagree with you there. I. I. I don't know. It's. 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 Um. You know. It. It does seem like there is a play in a in a possession or two that just sets them off course, and then they're not yeah. able to to really get back on course. I mean, some of the sacks that were taken. Uh, whose fault is it <laughs> like that's right. that tends to be the question is who's whose fault is it does sean clifford need to get rid of the ball or does the offensive line need to protect him better um so i don't know i mean what did what did uh what was your takeaway in terms of why they were they had those issues um it's just the same as usual i don't think it was necessarily clifford's fault but he doesn't do anything to overcome those things so right. there are plays to be made if he has a a next level recognition where there is some pressure, but you don't need to escape the pocket. You don't need to panic. You don't need to run uh, in three directions. What you need to do is recognize where the blitz is coming from. And if you can replace the blitz with the football, there was an opportunity to do that. And I'm not going to kill him for it because there was a player dropping into that zone in kind of a fake blitz. But he also was at the line of scrimmage as the receiver was turning into that zone. So there are just opportunities for him to make the place to keep you on schedule and he he's the same guy he's been forever, that that's going to be right. a tough thing for him unless he gets into a very good situation where he's you know escaping in a way he likes with routes he wants and, and receivers that are getting open. And I think with the, uh, the, the situation at receiver, that's a work in progress right now. Eli asks about Hunter Norzad. He came into the game after his injury, I believe. So he was able to come back in. I don't think that there's anything serious there. Uh, he was struggling throughout the day. And that was another area where that's not on Clifford, as, as Nate was pointing out, that the inconsistency up front is still a thing. And they're just taking turns of who's struggling. Bryce Efner struggled this week, and so did Hunter Norzad. Last week, it was uh, Landon Tangwall and Caden Wallace. And those two players had bounce back performances. So, Nate, are they ever going to get five guys to just play a reasonably clean game? 
We're going to find out. We're going to find yeah. out. I, I, it, taking strides, make getting better improvement on the offensive line. You, that was something that was long talked about. It was this, this huge talking point all off season. I, I don't think that there would be an argument that they haven't taken strides. It's just a matter of, can you change who you are over an off season? And I, I just think over and over and over again, the evidence points to no. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like they just, there are going to, there's a ceiling for this group. Um, and, and until, and unless there, there were, uh, you know, an influx of different faces, different names, right. To the program, then, then maybe you could have that conversation, but it is not. Yeah. The names are all the potential of the names are all on the roster. It's just that they're all freshmen or they're soon to be on the roster in in the class of 23 and beyond Uh, a little, you know, I'm still looking to see kind of more from Landon Tangwall and, and evaluate him a little bit further where, I was expecting something up here and, and you know, those, those uh, expectations may have been completely unfair for a redshirt freshman, but where is he going to land this year as far as, cause I think he's the swing guy here of having the talent. It's yeah. not quite there yet. So that can be something that gets better throughout the season. Um, I want to get to the defense. We spent so much time talking about the freshman, the offense, the quarterback, but the yep. defense so far has held two good quarterbacks to not a lot of points and not a lot of yards. Yep. So what are your thoughts on Manny Diaz's defense so far? You know, just generally looking at what it does and how it's performed. Yeah, I think it's I think it's done the job. I, I, I again, I mean, I think that that Purdue is a very good offense and will do very good things this season. And honestly, I think that Ohio has a pretty good offense. I think that quarterback. We're having some connection issues with Nate. Uh, let's see if we can get him back here quickly before uh, before we get uh, on to the next waited. thing. Nate, are you with us, buddy? I think we got you back. All right. You there? You got me? Yeah, I yeah, got you back. I'm okay. Here. Continue. Uh, you know, uh, Rourke is a good quarterback as well as where you were, you were picking up. Yeah, I was just I was just saying that I think he's I think he's a pretty good quarterback, and so to to have been able to limit him, limit obviously Purdue's quarterback O'Connell in the first two games, I think is good. I I I have a lingering question as to where the interceptions are yeah. because they have had opportunities, they just haven't been able to maximize those. They haven't been able to take advantage of it. So, uh, yeah. it it definitely surprises me that they're at this point in the season and have not been able to, to get an interception because the chances have been there. It's it, so part of it. And, and this is kind of the, you can check out the, the breakdown I did of the defense and, and the pass rush specifically when it comes to this group um, at blue white illustrated.com sign up for $1, get 12 months of access. By the way, check out the magazine. It's not just that we do all this writing every day. We also write for the magazine. Nate Bauer does exclusive articles for that. You can check out some of my recruiting stuff there. Uh, but when, it, when you are, looking at this defense, it seems to be more than a sum of the parts where they are. If you look at the stats and the advanced metrics for PFF, it's a ghost town with pressures, but they're forcing quarterbacks to get rid of the football. They're forcing quarterbacks to throw early and not get into situations where they're throwing into advantageous windows. Now it's putting some of these guys on an Island. And I think Daquan Hardy, this is one area where he's a very talented football player, but this might be uh, 
a lot of an ask when you're not getting quality pressure and he's having to cover a full route all the way to the sideline with a two way go. That's a lot. And I think that might be part of it. Uh, and that comes from a couple of different things up front that I got into the film study today. Uh, timing of blitzes, winning your one-on-one individual matchups. We talked about this with Purdue, right? You know, when we talked about the cover zero blitzing of George Karloftis, it gave him so many one-on-one opportunities. Who is going to win those here? Who's the guy that's going to dominate in those situations where you can't leave him one-on-one, but Manny Diaz is forcing you to do that. Yep. Otherwise you're throwing bodies in, in, into an empty void. And I think that is kind of a disconnect where the, the pressure is being simulated and it's, it's getting to these quarterbacks from a mental perspective, but it's not actually physically getting there. And that's going to be the next step for this group is that uh, they need to be able to win those individual matchups and be a little more efficient with all these guys coming from the secondary guys that are not professional pass rushers are rushing a lot. So cleaning up some of those things, I think is, is something that this group needs to do over the next couple of weeks. And I kind of agree with you. I think the corners, if you're going to play this way, you got to be a little bit aggressive. You got to be a little, you got to take a couple more chances. Um, and, and there have been plays where they're in zone coverage, but there's three people in the route and there's three DBs. I said this, said this a thousand times now that's single coverage. That is not zone. <laughs> so you got to act like it's single coverage. Uh, right. So, you know, just a couple of things that I think is interesting and they're all growing into these roles too. So where defense, all those things. Where do you where do you have Chop and, and Adisa at this point? I still need to see more from Adisa. So he, you know, there, there's he, all these. He said, it just sorry, not, not to interrupt, sure. but he said after the game that he was 85%. That was the number that he put on his health. Okay. that's So that's interesting to know. Because if he's, when and if and when he's at 100%, I think that is uh, a significant increase because he's doing good things right now from a power perspective that I was not expecting. So there's different techniques you can use. And I was just, I'm glad you interrupted there because that adds context to he's added kind of a power element to his game of using what's called a long arm where you stab a guy in the chest with your arm and you just walk him back and you win the initial contact and that you drive the guy back with that technique, which you can then counter and pull off of from that. And if he's at 85%, then I think that provides a lot of upside in the future for when the speed and the strength and the explosiveness come back. Um, that is what I needed to see more of truthfully. So that adds that context, but chop Robinson, he's playing bigger than he is. He's playing stronger and faster. He's the guy that's standing out in the pass rush, the defensive tackles right now. I think that that's an area again, where they need to step up a little bit and win those individual matchups. Or if you're given a free rush because of the formation and the, and the, and the situation, You've got to win it. You've got to get there efficiently. And that would be the word I would sum this all up with. The front and the attack from all the players needs to be more efficient because this is about creating those opportunities and you have to take advantage of them. Um, so that's what I need. That's what I saw in film. And I think that's where you can get more from this defense going forward. Yep. I, I, got I have nothing to, to add to that. <laughs> I, oh, I looked at my notes, Nate. I looked at my notes and uh, our favorite person to talk about. We're going to end the actual football conversation on this just quickly. Jonathan Sutherland has yep. not been a disaster. No, he has. So look at that. Yep. Now, believe I, it or not, the guy who uh, the coaching staff believed all along played his best football closer to the football um, has, has ended up. Uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I always struggle with these things because it, it's just, it, it never makes sense to me why everyone makes assumptions based on the, the glimpse into the process that we actually see. So we get to see yeah. games. We get to, we don't get to see practice. Nobody gets to see practice, um, but they're, they're around this guy all the time. They they're able to scout and to see what he does the best. And they felt all along, this was a move that they could make because they're so strong in the rest of the secondary, not to mention the Manny Diaz impact. So all of those things combining, they felt like this was his best opportunity. He wouldn't have been invited back. <laughs> like that's, that's the big thing to me is he, yeah. they wouldn't have had him back if they didn't feel as though it, it was a good thing for him and a good thing for Penn State. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and there's more to come. The story's not written, but so, but one of the guys just speaking about everything I just wrapped up that defense saying, uh, efficiency, blitzing, being good at those things. Sutherland's been good. He's been one of the standout players that hasn't been excellent, but he's been a positive force in the pass rush. He's second on the team in total pressures behind Chop Robinson. So he's doing his part in that area. We'll see, because I know that everyone's wondering Sudden Win. Goes is uh, is jealous of everyone going to the Auburn game. Everyone wants to know if they can stop the run with Jonathan Sutherland. We'll find out. But yeah. so far, uh, you know, playing the teams that they want to play and the the way they want to play them, it's all going very well. We had a bunch of people asking in the chat, Nate, about uh, Smith Vilbert, Von mm-hmm. Ellis, not part of the team so far, not part of the players that have been on the field. Any update there? I know we talked to James Franklin tomorrow, but anything yeah. that you've heard so far? No. No, they they were in. They're there, right? They're, they're, yeah. They haven't been kicked off the team. They're part of the team. They're practicing. We've seen them practice. So, um, you know, without um, uh, assuming too much, right? It's it's very clearly some type of um, non injury related issue. This is a this is a choice rather than something that's been forced upon them. Correct from the coaching staff's perspective. Correct. Uh, Last question, and it's I don't know that I'm going to answer this. I, I don't plan on answering this, but I think that this is a great open-ended question. How mm-hmm. much does Theo Johnson being out affect the game plan and is, uh, is exposing some of the ineffective offensive line play? Uh, I should have read the full question. It is definitely not exposing any of that. Theo Johnson was not a good run blocker last season. He's that the, the guys that are good run blockers are playing and they're not playing like good run blockers. Yeah. So I will say from it, from the game plan, from the passing perspective, I do think that is something that we'll monitor going forward when we see him on the field that I can think, have an effect. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's probably not unfair to say that Khalil Dinkins touchdown on Saturday may have been a Theo Johnson touchdown. If he was available to play in that yeah. game. Yep. Uh, that's a good place to end. I think we'll do it there, Nate. Thanks for uh, chatting with me this afternoon about Penn State and uh, and Auburn. Uh, Auburn. I'm already moved on, Nate. It's over. Ohio didn't even happen. We're on to Auburn. I'm ready. I can't wait. I'm sorry about my connection issues. I'm going to upgrade my router. That's the move. I got to do it. <laughs> well, thanks. You were exceptional even in those moments. So you cut out completely when you cut out so I could come in and we could cover that up. You are, you are doing a phenomenal job as the... Uh, as the host the guest of this show. So before I stumble over any more words, we're going to get going. Subscribe to the BWI Daily Edition on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back tomorrow with the recruiting show. Sean and Ryan are taking that over, and that'll be coming up tomorrow, 7 p.m. regular time for the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you then.